0: Welcome to the Church at Rocky Peak's downloadable messages and podcast. Well, good morning. How are you today? Good job. You're with me. Not so much here, but here. All right. Very good. Hey, I'm glad that you're here today. My name is Joel. I'm one of the pastors here at Rocky Peak. And if this is your first time visiting us today, I'm so glad that you're here. Welcome. I hope you figure out what it is that God is doing in your life that he brought you to be here with us today. And today, as we go into our time of teaching, we're continuing in the series that we started a couple weeks ago in the Psalms, the series that's going behind the music of these ancient songs of Israel, where there, there was so much that was poured out from their hearts to God, these songs that they would come and sing to Him when they'd gather together in, in times of worship. And so we're going to continue in that series today. And before we jump into the psalm we're looking at, I have a question for you. Have you ever been in a circumstance in life where you were completely and totally overwhelmed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone's like, Psh, yes. I, I got some pictures for you. I want to see if you can identify if you've ever felt like this in life. So look at this guy here. Have you ever felt like this guy? Like, what, what a bummer of a day, right? You're just walking along, enjoying the rainy weather, and boom, out of nowhere, he is just blown over. By Have you ever felt like that in life? Like, you just walk along, and suddenly the rug is pulled out from under you, and you are overwhelmed in that moment? How about this? Have you ever been in a situation where you were so overwhelmed you had no idea who to even go to for help? Have you ever been there? Have you ever felt like this picture? Oh. <laughs> who do you call? <laughs> right? Quick, call 911. Oh, they're here. Yeah, I, I, was, I, I have a hunch these are just volunteer firefighters. These are actually Caltrans employees. Because see how there's one working and two watching off to the side? <laughs> But have you ever felt like this in life? Like you're just so overwhelmed, you don't even know who to call. How about this? Have you ever felt like this? Oh, man. I'm assuming he was surfing, but I don't see a board. (laughs) What a bummer for this guy, because it looks like for all intents and purposes, this was just a really beautiful day, and then he probably paddled out too far, got too optimistic about his skills, (laughs) And winds up in a situation like this. And the, the bummer for this guy is that it's bad now, but in about 0.5 seconds, it's going to get really bad. He's going to slap that water 25, 30 foot fall and just get pounded by this wave. And my hope for him is he can hold his breath a long time, right? But have you ever felt like this in life? where the wave is just crashing down upon you, you're being tossed and turned and you don't know left from right, you don't know up from down and you have no clue what to do in a situation like that. What do you do when you are overwhelmed by life? What do you do when your boss calls and says, we're downsizing and you no longer fit the company model and you've lost your job? What do you do when the home that you hoped you were going to raise your family in is beyond your reach because the market is tanked and you can't afford it anymore and you're going to be out on the streets soon? What do you do when the doctor gives you the prognosis and it was the news you were dreading? What do you do when your spouse walks out on you and says, it's over, I give up? What do you do when you get that phone call in the middle of the night and it's your family telling you that person you love is gone? What do you do in a moment like that? When you are completely and totally overwhelmed by life. And today as we continue in our series in the Psalms, we're going to take a look at a Psalm that's going to give us a paradigm. It's going to give us a model of what to do when in life we are overwhelmed. And so if you have your Bibles, get those out today and open them up or turn them on to Psalm 73. And if you have your message notes in your programs, you should have gotten some message notes that will help you follow along today. But we're going to take a look at a song written by a man named Asaph. Asaph was one of the worship leaders in the time where David was king of Israel. So if you could envision the Israelites coming into the temple, coming before God to worship God and have a time of worship, Asaph would be one of the guys on the electric guitar leading that time, right? And so he had written several psalms, several songs for the people to worship and sing God. And so this is one of the songs that he wrote as he was dealing with an issue in his life, a time in his life where he was completely and totally overwhelmed by life. And we're going to see what he did in this time in his life to help us understand what we can do in our own times when we're overwhelmed by our issues. And so let's jump in together. Psalm 73 verse 1, Asaph starts off with an affirmation about who God is. And he says this, He says, surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart, right? This declaration of who God is in his life, that God is good to his people, that God is good to those who are living life pure, who are seeking to follow after him. But he immediately has a crisis of faith, because look at verse two. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold, for I I envied the arrogance when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And have you ever been upset or bent by that? Like, I don't know what the issues are in your life that you've been overwhelmed by, but this is the issue for Asaph that's overwhelming him. And if you didn't have an issue coming here, you can borrow his today, right? (laughs) That he looks upon life and he says, God, I know that you're good to your people. I know that you're good to the pure in heart, but I see people who care less about you thriving, and this doesn't make sense to me. And this is what he sees about the wicked. Verse 4, he says, They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from the burdens common to man. They are not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. The evil conceits of their minds know no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. In their arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how can God know? Does the most high have knowledge? This is what the wicked are like. Always carefree, they increase in wealth. And this issue is spinning, Asaph. It's starting to overwhelm him. But it's not just that he is seeing the wicked thrive. That's not just the only part of the issue. There's another part of the equation for him. It's that he's not experiencing the good life that he thinks he should. Because look at what he says in verse 13. Surely in vain have I kept my heart pure. In vain have I washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been plagued. I have been punished every morning. If I had said, I will speak thus, I would have betrayed your children. And Do you understand his dilemma? Do you understand his issue? Do you understand why he's being overwhelmed right now? Because he started off by saying, God, you're good to your people. You're good to the pure in heart. And I'm one of them, but I'm not experiencing that goodness. And when I look at this world, I see people that could care less about you experiencing the good life. God, this does not compute. This does not make sense. I am overwhelmed. And so he processes this with God. He starts pouring this out before God. And he says in verse 16, when I tried to understand all this, it was oppressive to me till I entered the sanctuary of God. And if you like to take notes in your Bible, if you like to circle things or underline things, I would encourage you to circle verse 17, the word till. Because for Asaph, this becomes a turning point in this issue in his life as he's processing this with God. And so he's he's overwhelmed by this issue. He can't make heads or tails of it. He's deeply troubled, deeply concerned about this. This doesn't make sense. That God, if you're good to your people, why am I not experiencing this? The people who care about you are experiencing the good life. God, what's up with that? And he comes before God and he begins to gain a perspective that he doesn't have on his own. And so he enters the sanctuary of God and he says, Then I understood their final destiny the people that he'd been envying, the wicked who could care less about God, he gets a greater perspective on the situation than what he just had. And he says to God, he says, surely you placed them, the wicked, on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. As a dream when one awakes, so when you arise, O Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. That there will come a day where the wicked will, will no longer thrive. And in light of that day, I no longer envy them. And then look at what he says about his own heart in the midst of the situation of being overwhelmed. He says, when my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. And yet he's beginning to understand something that he has in his walk with God, something that's powerful in his life. He says, yet I am always with you you hold me by my right hand, you guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever." Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. And I love this psalm because in the psalm, Asaph is radically honest with God about what's going on in his life. And he shows us what we can do in those times in our life where we're overwhelmed by the circumstances of life. And I don't know about you, but I need a good picture of what that looks like. Because in my life, when I'm overwhelmed, my life, when we're overwhelmed without having a clear picture of what to do, I think our natural tendency is to go to one of two extremes in those moments. I think in those moments when we're overwhelmed, one of the extremes that we will oftentimes go to is this this point in life where we try to deny the reality of the situation that we're facing. We try to deny the reality of what it is that's overwhelming us because we don't know what to do in those times when we're overwhelmed. And so we just try to pretend like it's all fine, right? Life is falling apart around you, but you don't know what to do with that. You don't know how to process that deep pain. And so you try to disconnect yourself from it and go around just kind of wearing this facade of everything's okay. Have you ever seen someone living in a state like that? The sad thing about going down that road when we try to disconnect ourselves from the reality of the situation that we're facing is that we not only disconnect ourselves from that issue, we begin to disconnect ourselves from every issue. And we lose the capacity to not just process this issue, we lose the capacity to enjoy other things in life because we're living life disconnected. And so a person who lives in this place long enough begins to grow apathetic about life and oftentimes grow cynical in their journey as a follower of Christ. And that's one of the ways I think that we go, kind of our own natural tendency to respond to being overwhelmed. I think another mistake, another way that we go then when we don't know what to do when overwhelmed is not that we deny the reality of the situation. We're so overwhelmed by it, we don't know how to make sense of God in the midst of the situation. And so we begin to deny the reality of God in our life in the midst of the situation. And so we try to minimize God because I don't know how to wrestle with this idea of a God who is good yet what I'm experiencing in life today. And so we begin to push God away. And we don't even embrace a form of atheism. We just kind of embrace a a Bette Midler kind of God, right? A God who's watching us from a distance and he's out there, but he's not present. He's not at work in our life today. Because we don't know how to make sense with that. And the idea of a God who's good, who would still let me experience this, is actually more overwhelming to me than the issue I'm experiencing in life. And the sad thing about going down that road, about making that mistake, is that we begin to withdraw and pull away from the one person who can help us in the midst of what we're experiencing in life today. And what I love about what we see here in Psalm 73 is that Asaph gives us a picture of another way, of something else that we can do in those times in life when we are utterly and completely overwhelmed. And before we look at the model that he gives us, I want to tell you something that you need to understand about this idea of being overwhelmed. There's something that you have to understand about being overwhelmed. You and I, we were created to be overwhelmed. Stop and think about that for a minute. Why did God make us? Was he bored? Was it because he was lacking something in his own existence? And like, oh, I need... People, sense of yeah, he had a sense of humor, right? Like why did God make us? It wasn't because he needed us. God made us because he knew how incredible he was and he wanted to share himself with us. And so our experience of God would be that every time we encountered the one who we were created to know, we would be completely and totally blown away by meeting him. That when we encountered the one who is the source of all goodness, all truth, all beauty, we would be completely and totally overwhelmed by him. And being overwhelmed by God would be our greatest joy. We are created to be overwhelmed by God. This is why whenever you see people encountering God in the Bible, they completely come undone. Because they don't know what to do in a situation like that. Like in Exodus 33, when God or Moses says to God, God, would you show me your glory? And God says, okay, Moses, because I'm pleased with you, I'll do that. But here's the deal. There's kind of a problem with you as a race now. We've been disconnected. So for you to fully see me as I am would kill you. So this is what I'll do for you. I'm going to take you. I'm going to put you in a rock. I'm going to cover you with my hand. And then I'm going to have my glory pass in front of you. And as I'm moving away, you can see the backside of my glory. Because that's about all you can handle. Because I am Overwhelming. It's why in Isaiah chapter six, Isaiah has a vision. He's taken up into the throne room of God and he sees God in his glory and splendor. And he sees these angels hovering around the throne, calling out to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. And these angels he sees have six wings, but they're only using two wings to fly. With the other four, they're covering their face and their feet because they're completely overwhelmed at being in the presence of God. And Isaiah's response to this is, woe is me. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I come from a people of unclean lips. It's why we see in Matthew 17 when Jesus takes his men, he takes Peter, James, and John up to the mountain to show them his glory, that they come unglued in that moment. That Jesus says, Come on, guys, I want to give you a sneak peek of coming attractions. And he takes them up on the mountain, and in that moment, he shows them a glimpse of his glory. And then suddenly, Elijah and Moses show up to hang out with him, and Peter comes undone, that he says, Let's build tents. (laughs) this is so amazing, can we just stay here in your presence forever? And God interrupts Peter and says, Peter, stop talking. He says, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. And at the voice of God from heaven, Peter, James, and John fall down terrified because we were created to be overwhelmed by God. The problem is that when we rebelled as a race, we were disconnected from him And so no longer is it our great joy to be overwhelmed by God. It's a complete terrifying moment because he's good and we're not. And not only did we lose our connection with God when that happened, actually what we didn't lose was our capacity to be overwhelmed. And yet the good news for us is that God has not abandoned us as we are. The good news is that in our dysfunction, in our rebellion, God has enacted a rescue plan. He sent his son to come and bring us back to go to the cross and pay the price for our failure and to give us new life. It's why Paul says in Colossians chapter 1 that he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us back into the kingdom of the son he loves. That's the hope that we have that as followers of Jesus, we're being brought back into relationship with the one we were created to be overwhelmed by. And no longer do we have to fear God. Now we can go and be in his arms, be in the one we are created to know and follow. Our problem as followers of Christ is that whenever we lose sight of him, we will be overwhelmed by anything greater than us. Which when you look around the universe that God created, that's pretty much everything, isn't it? And so we need to understand that the goal in life when overwhelmed, the goal in life is to not try to not be overwhelmed. The goal in life is to seek to go from being overwhelmed by this issue or circumstance to once again being overwhelmed by him. And this is what Asaph shows us in this psalm, in this song, as he pours out his heart to God, he shows us what it looks like to go from being overwhelmed by this issue and circumstance in his life to being overwhelmed by the one he was created to be overwhelmed by once again. And Asaph shows us that the way this happens, this process that we do in those times when we're overwhelmed, it starts and it continues by being honest with God about what we're experiencing and about what's going on inside our heart. And as we look at this thing that he's showing us, here's the first thing that he shows us that we need to be honest about. That when we're overwhelmed, when you're in that place of being completely and totally overwhelmed, you need to be honest about your confusion. Your confusion in the midst of that moment. If you'd like to write some synonyms for the word confusion... Feel free to write down anger, pain, frustration. But this is what we see Asaph doing in this moment when he's completely overwhelmed by this issue in his life. God, I don't understand why the wicked are thriving and the innocent are suffering because I thought you were good to your people. I thought you were good to the pure at heart. Help me make sense of this. And so look at what he says in Psalm 73. as he's being honest with God about this issue in his life. Verse 12, he says, This is what the wicked are like. Always carefree, they increase in wealth. Surely in vain have I kept my heart pure. In vain have I washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been plagued. I have been punished every morning. If I had said, I will speak thus, I would have betrayed whose children? Your children. Who's he talking to? He's talking to God. God, I would have betrayed your children. Understand, as he's processing this life, he's not saying, dear diary. He's saying, dear God, I have an issue. And I want to bring it before you. And what I love about what we see here in Psalm 73 is what we see in so many of the Psalms is that we have this incredible freedom in our walk with God to be radically and completely honest with him about the things that we are going through. And there's a freedom that comes when we can go before God and say, God, this is where I'm at, and this is what's going on. In fact, you see this model throughout the Psalms. I've got a couple examples there on your note sheets. Both of these Psalms are from David. David, who is considered to be a man after God's own heart. So what does a man after God's own heart do when he's overwhelmed in life? How does he process with God? Look at what he does. Psalm 55, verses 1 through 8. He says, listen to my prayer, O God. Do not ignore my plea. Hear me and answer me. Nowhere in the Hebrew is there the word please in the statement. Like he is just coming before God in his honesty. He says, My thoughts trouble me, and I am distraught at the voice of the enemy, at the stares of the wicked, for they bring down suffering upon me and revile me in their anger. My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death assail me. Fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. I said, Oh, that I had the wings of a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. I would flee far away and stay in the desert. I would hurry to my place of shelter far from the tempest and the storm. I mean, have you ever felt like that in life? If only I could get away from the situation or this person. This is the giant killer talking. He's completely overwhelmed and he's bringing it to God. And look at how he does this again in Psalm 142. He says, "I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out my what? Complaints, Complaints before him. Before him, I tell my trouble. I I, I, wouldn't, I want to encourage you that as you're reading scripture, especially as you're reading the Psalms, read them with emotion, because that's how they were written. I, I think too often this is what we might do. I cry aloud to the Lord." <laughs> I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. Verily, I pour out my complaint before him. Before him, I tell my trouble. Are you kidding me? Do you think that's how David wrote this? No way. I would imagine that however he's writing it, he can't get the ink out fast enough as he's pouring out his heart to God. Look at what this Christian author, Philip Yancey, says about his study in the Psalms. He writes this there on your notes. He says, the 150 Psalms present a mosaic of spiritual therapy and process. Doubts, paranoia, giddiness, meanness, delight, hatred, joy, praise, vengefulness, betrayal. You can find it all in the Psalms. Such strewing of emotions, which I once saw as hopeless disarray, I now see as a sign of health. From Psalms, I have learned that I can rightfully bring whatever I feel about, whatever I bring to God, whatever I feel about him. I need not paper over my failures and try to clean up my rottenness. Far better to bring these weaknesses to God who alone has the power to heal. And yet I think we struggle with this at times in the journey because I think that we oftentimes have a a skewed perspective of what it means to revere God. See, having reverence for God means that you hold Him with deep respect. And so somehow we think that it is being disrespectful to God by being honest with Him about the darker, deeper emotions and thoughts in our life. And you think about the closest relationships you have with people in life. Isn't one of the features of that relationship that it's marked by the ability to be honest with that person about what you're experiencing and what you're feeling? And as you're honest with that person, doesn't that seem to create a deeper sense of intimacy because you trust them enough to share yourself with them? And yet somehow we think that we can't do that with God. Somehow we go about playing games with God and we put up our religious facade and we walk around pretending that everything's fine when in reality it's not. Inside, we're dying inside. But I don't think I can be real with God about this. And so we put on our sanctimonious masks we walk around life saying, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. As if somehow God is only a God of stained glass cathedrals and not a God of our real life hurts and hang ups. And here's what we need to understand about this idea. When we're not being honest with God, it's not because we have a fear of being irreverent toward him. It's because we do not trust him with what's going on inside of us. Look at how this other Christian writer, Brendan Manning, captures this idea in his book, Ruthless Trust. He says this, he says, sometimes we harbor an unexpected suspicion that Jesus cannot handle all that goes on in our minds and hearts. We doubt that he can accept our hateful thoughts, cruel fantasies, and bizarre dreams. We wonder how he would deal with our primitive urges, our inflated illusions, and our exotic mental castles. The deep resistance to making ourselves so vulnerable, so naked, so unprotected is our implicit way of saying, Jesus, I trust you, but there are limits. By refusing to share our fantasies, worries, and joys, we limit God's lordship over our life and make clear that there are parts of us that we do not wish to submit to a divine conversation. It seems that the master had something more in mind when he said, trust in me. You see, being honest with God is not about defaming his name. It's about affirming who he is in your life. It's coming before him and saying, God, I respect you enough to be honest with you about this issue because I trust you with this issue, even if I'm confused in the midst of this issue. And what we see in this psalm is that there is an incredible freedom that we have that we can go before God and we can shatter the stained glass windows of our religious pretense and let God begin to shine the light of his love into the deepest and darkest places of our heart. And I love that Asaph shows us this, that he says, hey, are you hurting in life? Are you overwhelmed by life? Then go before God and be honest with him about what you're experiencing. And I think for some of us, We have a hard time with this, and I want to encourage you to do what Asaph does and to lean into God in those times in your life where you're completely overwhelmed. I think on the flip side of this, though, some of us don't have a problem with this at all. I think that there are some of us that are like, oh, I know how to be honest with God. I tell him how it is all the time, and I take him to task, and I have no problem with that, and I can do that without issue. And yet I think for those of us who are on that side of the coin, what I would want to ask you is this. Are you being totally honest with God? Are you only being partially honest with God? Because I think for those of us who feel like we have no problem being honest with God, the issue isn't about being honest with God. It's about being completely honest with God about the issues going on inside of us, not just the issue we're experiencing. And for those of us who don't have a problem being honest with God, but we're not being honest enough, Psalm 73 ends at verse 14 for us, right? And we just end in anger and we shut the book and we walk away. And we no longer press into God and let him continue to work on what's going on inside of our heart. Because Asaph doesn't stop with being honest merely about his confusion. As he goes before God, he's honest with God about other things that are going on in his life as well. And here's the next thing that we see Asaph doing as he's processing this issue with God. Is that not only is he honest about his confusion, but that when we're overwhelmed, you need to be honest about your perspective, Your perspective on life, your perspective on this situation. Here's a clue. It's limited, right? I mean, can you think of a time in your life where you had it all figured out? How about this? Can you think of a time in your life where you thought you had it all figured out? Yeah, how'd that turn out for you? Right? And it isn't until Asaph presses into God more and more and being honest with God, not just about his confusion, but about the fact that his perspective on this issue is limited, that he begins to meet God in a way where God gives him a greater perspective than what he has on this situation. Look at verse 16. He says, When I tried to understand all this, it was oppressive to me. On my own, from my own place in life, I couldn't figure this out, I had no idea what was happening. Until I entered the sanctuary of God. And that as he processes this with God, as he's honest with God, he brings it before him. God gives him a greater perspective on the situation than he has on his own. And God shows him that, look, the people you're envying, that's not a path you want to go down because of where this road leads. And Asaph does something important in bringing this before God, in bringing his confusion before God. He's acknowledging that God is greater than his confusion and he's humbling himself before God. And men and women, when we start to process this issue in our life, whatever it is that's overwhelming us with God, humility before him is absolutely key because he is God and we are not. And by definition, what that means is that our perspective will always be limited while his is unlimited. But not only is our perspective limited, we have to be honest enough to say that in the times when I am overwhelmed, not only is my perspective limited, but oftentimes it is skewed by my confusion and my anger and my pain. Which means that I have to be willing to be honest and go before God. God, I know I'm bent. I know I'm angry. I know I don't see it the way you see it. So God, would you show me things the way you see them? Would you give me a greater perspective on the situation? And until that day, would you help me to trust you? Look at what Paul writes about this idea that that in this life, our perspective is limited, but that there will come a day where our perspective will be greater than it is today. First Corinthians 13, Paul writes these words. He says, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. I mean, isn't that true as you've grown older in life that you've just gained perspective on life that you didn't have as a kid? Like the things that spent, or bent you and sent you into spiraling as a child as you grow older, you're like, oh, I get it now. I can't have candy all the time, right? And so he says about life now compared to that day, he says, now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully even as I am fully known that there will come a day where we will see, where we will understand, where we will get it in ways that we don't get it now. And until that day, we trust him to give us a perspective on life that we don't have now, to meet us in that. And so as Asaph presses into God more and more, his honesty about God goes from the situation that's overwhelming him to the perspective of his that's limited to something else now that he shows us, which I think, honestly, is the hardest thing for us to be honest about when we're being overwhelmed in life. Because what Asaph shows us that we need to be honest about next is this area in our life, that when overwhelmed, you need to be honest about your attitude. You need to be honest about your attitude in the midst of the situation. Look at what he says here. Verses 21 and 22. 22. He says, my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered. I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. And as Asaph processes with God and he begins to dive deeper and deeper into being honest with God, he comes to realize that there are actually two issues going on here. There's the issue in his life that's overwhelming him, but there's the issue in his heart and how he's being in the midst of being overwhelmed. And he has to be willing to come before God and say, God, there's something going on inside of me that's just as wrong as what I feel like I'm experiencing in life today. And yet that is a hard place to get to, to be honest with God to that point. Can you imagine if he started that way? Like this is how the psalm started. Like, hey God, I'm upset, but I have problems. So do you, get over it. Like that would be not helpful at all, right? And yet I love this process that Asaph's taking us through because he enables us to get to this place by starting with being honest with God about where we're at. God, in, this, in my confusion right now, I'm overwhelmed. This doesn't make sense. I'm hurting. I'm angry with you. Would you help me make sense of this? And as we press into God and being honest with him, we come to a place where we, in humility, understand our perspective is limited. So God, I know I don't get it all. I know I don't understand it all. So would you help me to see it the way you see it? And God, I know in the midst of this, my heart is wrong. And so would you meet me in this? And here's something important to understand about attitude, something important to understand about being overwhelmed, that when you are overwhelmed, you have no control over what you feel in those moments. But you do have control over how you choose to respond to what you feel. An attitude is not a reflection of your circumstances. Attitude is a reflection of your heart in the midst of the circumstances. It's why in Proverbs four twenty three it says, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. And so in honesty, we process with God and he brings us to a place where we begin to see, God, I think there are two issues here the issue in life that's overwhelming me, but the issue of my heart. And so, God, would you meet me in this moment? Would you begin to work on me and in me? Because, God, if you don't do something, I know that I am senseless and ignorant, and all I am is a brute beast before you, and I need you in my life. And I love that God would let us go through a process like this with him. He would let us come before him in our confusion, in our hurt, as spoiled brat-like children stomping our feet, pointing the finger at him, and he doesn't smack us down. He just says, all right, come closer. Come closer and tell me what's going on. Let it out, let it out, and then let me show you something else. And see, oftentimes when we're overwhelmed in life, the work that God wants to do in our life more than fixing the circumstance or the issue is that God wants to fix our heart, in the midst of that issue. And God wants to grow us into the men and women he's created us to be. And this is what Asaph shows us to do in those times when we're overwhelmed by life, is to be honest with God, to, to press into him, to go to him and wrestle with him and let him meet you in that time. And like that child throwing a tantrum who finally calms down, being held in the arms of a loving father, Asaph finally calms down and he begins to see the one who is holding him and he begins to go from being overwhelmed by this issue to being overwhelmed by God once again. And he begins to express to God who God is in his life. And this is the next thing that we see that we have to be honest about in those times when we're overwhelmed. That when you're overwhelmed, you need to be honest about your hope. Be honest about the one who is holding on to you in the midst of what you're experiencing in life today. Because look at what he says in the next verses. Right after he comes clean with God, and he says, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Yet, yet despite all that, God, yet despite the issue in my life, despite the issue in my heart, I am always with you. And you hold me by my right hand, you guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will take me into glory. And Asaph begins to be honest with God about the hope he has about who God is in his life. And it's a twofold hope it's a hope that God is with him in life today, guiding him, leading him, holding him by his hand as they go through life together, but it's also a hope of the future that God is leading him into. A future that he describes as God's glory in his life. And in this moment, Asaph has gone from being overwhelmed by this issue to being overwhelmed by God once again because look at what he says Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. And that's not where he was in verse 3, was it? Because in verse 3, what did he say he wanted? What was he desiring? He was desiring the life of the wicked. This is a guy that knows God, that loves God, that's following God, and yet he was so overwhelmed, he came to a point in his life that he was envying the people that were flipping God off. And he was saying, I want to be like them. And as he processes this issue in his life with God, as he goes before God in honesty about his confusion, about his perspective, about his attitude, he comes back to a place of realizing who God is in his life. And he realizes, I was stupid I don't want that. I want you because of who you are in my life. He says, my flesh and my heart may fail. If you like to take notes in your Bible, write the word amen next to that one, right? <laughs> but God, in my journey, in my life, my flesh and my heart are going to fail. I'm going to be bent. I'm going to be overwhelmed. But God, you do not abandon me in those times. Because God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And I love what Asaph shows us in this psalm. I I love that Asaph shows us what we can do in those times in life when we are completely and totally overwhelmed by the issues and circumstances that are tossing us around. That we can go before God and be honest with him. And in so doing that, we will go from being overwhelmed by life to being overwhelmed by him once again. And we need to know what to do in those times because it's so easy, isn't it? It's so easy to lose sight of him. It's so easy to be overwhelmed by life. And if that's where you are today, let me ask you a question. Are you being honest with God? Are you being honest with God about what you're experiencing, about what you're going through? Are you being honest with God about your confusion? Are you taking it to him? See, too often I think we let the circumstances lead us away from God instead of going to him. And do you understand that when you're going to God, even in your confusion, even in your anger, you understand you're still praying to him, you're still reaching out to him? Are you being honest with God about your confusion? And as you press into him, are you being honest with God about your perspective on this issue? About the fact that you don't get it, you don't understand it, but you know that he's greater than this issue. And so are you looking to him, say, God, give me vision, give me wisdom, give me something I don't have so that I can see this the way you see it. And are you being honest with God about your attitude, about the condition of your heart in the midst of this? Because let me tell you, that's where God wants to meet you. That's where God wants to turn your heart to Him in the midst of the situation. And are you being honest with God about the hope you have in Him, about who He is in your life, about what He has done for you, that He has rescued you from the dominion of darkness, and He's brought you into the kingdom of the Son He loves? I love Psalm 73. Because in my life, in my journey, I've gone back to this psalm so many times, and I've wrestled with Asaph, with the issue that was overwhelming him. And there's a couple of observations I'd like to make about this psalm. A couple of things I'd like to point out to you about this psalm. The first observation is this. Asaph has a double dilemma. Because not only is he being overwhelmed by this issue in his life, he is a spiritual leader. And he knows that if he's overwhelmed by this issue in his life, he's going to mess up other people that look to him. Which is why he says in verse 15, if I had said, I will speak thus, I would have betrayed your children. And yet what I love about Psalm 73 is we know what Asaph's issue was. Why? Because he spoke Thus. And he poured his heart out before God and he put it in this epic song and then he put it in the songbook for everyone to see because Asaph knew how to take his darkest moments and turn them into opportunities to worship God. And he shows us what it looks like to follow God in the good times and the dark times. And as spiritual leaders, for those of you that are in position of leadership, spiritual leadership, I would say learn from Asaph because the people that God has called you to shepherd need to see from your life what it looks like to follow God when it's hard. Parents, do not miss the opportunities you have to show your kids what it looks like to follow God even when it hurts. Something else that I'd like to point out from Psalm 73 that we see here is that Asaph has a question for God, doesn't he? I mean, this is his question. God, why today do the wicked thrive while the innocent suffer? And as he asks this question, he doesn't get an answer to his question. He gets perspective on the issue. He gets long-term perspective on the issue. But the question, God, why do the wicked thrive today while the innocent suffer? He does not get an answer to that question. Instead, what Asaph gets is something greater than the question that's overwhelming him. He gets the hope of God at work in his life. He gets the hope of glory. What Asaph is given is what we see John getting a glimpse of in the book of Revelation in chapter 21, when John sees a vision of the time where God will come and wrap all things up in this life. And in Revelation 21, John has a vision of the city of God coming at rest with us on earth. And he hears a voice come from the throne of God that says, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will be be their God, and they will be his people. And on that day, he will wipe away every tear from their eye. And there will be no more mourning, or crying, or death, or pain, because the old order of things has gone away, the new has come, and the voice from heaven says, I am making everything new. And until that day, there will be times when we are overwhelmed, when life doesn't make sense, when it's hurting, when it's confused, when we say, Jesus, why does it feel like I'm coming in last? And yet Jesus said that there will come a day when the last will be first. And I love this psalm in my life because there have been times that I've come to the psalm so many times when I am overwhelmed with life and I have my questions, God, why is this happening to my life today? And I come to Asaph like coming to an old friend and I say, Asaph, can you help me understand this? Can you help me make sense of this? And yet Asaph can't give me an answer to my question. What he can do is show me what to do with my question. And he can show me the answer he was given to his question. That there is a God who gives us something greater than the questions that overwhelm us in life today. A God who gives us the hope that he is with us. A God who gives us the hope of glory. Jesus knew that in a very short while, they were about to be completely overwhelmed. That's why on this night, this night when he was betrayed and arrested, he was preparing them for their future. It's why he told them things like, look, in a little while, you will weep while the world rejoices, but your grief will turn to joy. You will see me again, and in that day, no one will take away your joy. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And so on this night, as they're sharing their last meal together, he's preparing them for their future. And so he takes the bread and he takes the wine and he gives them something to remember him by. And he takes the bread and he says, this is my body broken for you. And he takes the wine and he says, this is my blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. It's why as followers of Jesus today, we we take communion. We go to the table and we take these sacred symbols of his body and his blood so that we will remember the one who gave his life so we can have life. That in those times in life when we are overwhelmed, whether it's by our own brokenness, our own shame, or we're overwhelmed by the pain in life, that we could come before the one who has overwhelmed us by his love for us. And so what I want to invite you to do in this time, if you're a follower of Jesus, is to go to the one who loves you and to bring to him whatever it is you're facing in life today, whatever it is that you're overwhelmed by and say, would you help me with this? Would you meet me in this place and be honest with him about what's going on in your life and let him begin to overwhelm you once again. When you look at the cross, you know that you are loved. God loved us so much that he sent his son. And so let me pray over us, and then we're going to go into this time together as a church. Go before the one who has overwhelmed us by his love. And so, Lord, we come before you right now. and Lord, in life, it hurts. In life, it's hard. In life, there are times where we are completely and totally overwhelmed. And yet we know that you are good. We know that you are God. We know that you are greater. And so we want to come before you now, and we want to remember you, Jesus. Remember what you've done for us. Remember who you are in our life. Remember what you're leading us into. And so we come before you, overwhelmed by life, asking that you would overwhelm us once again by your great love for us. And so would you meet us in this time? Amen. That's the truth, isn't it? That he, is, he reigns and he is with us and he is good. He is greater than our darkness. Next week, Mike will be back and we're gonna continue in this epic study of these ancient songs that have so much truth and so much for us in life today. But until that day, may you walk with the one who holds you by your right hand. May you walk with the one who guides you in his counsel. May you walk with the one who leads you into his glory because it is good to be near God. So live to tell of his deeds. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Well, that's going to do it for this week's message. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have putting it together. Please visit us at rockypeak.org where you can download more messages or have your questions answered. Remember, you can subscribe to our weekly podcast for free by searching for The Church at Rocky Peak from within the music store in your iTunes software. For Lead Pastor Mike Yearly and everybody up here at the Peak, thanks for listening.